Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Where in the word are you today? I am in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is speaking here. We are in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, I tell you, he says, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, not about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? I want to pause there for a moment. Because the questions that are posed in this passage of Scripture are worth asking ourselves seriously. Like, seriously consider, is your life more than what you're going to eat today, where it's going to come from, how it's going to have been handled or produced or packaged? And is not your body more than what you're going to put on or where you are or even what you're going to do? Look at the birds of the air, Jesus says. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Again, pause and seriously ask yourself that question. Do you recognize how precious you are to God? You're of of certainly greater value than the birds of the air. If we would pause and we would consider just how precious we are to God, that he esteems us as worthy of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not suggesting that we think more highly of ourselves than we ought, right? We could turn to Philippians chapter 2 and remind ourselves of the necessity of having the mind of Christ in all things. But this morning, I want us to get our anxiety and mental health into check by gaining a little eternal perspective, a little universal perspective, some godly perspective, some heavenly perspective on life and everything in it. Are you not of more value than the birds of the air? Well, yes, of course. Of course. Jesus goes on to ask the question, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? Well, of course, the answer is no one. None of us, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of our life. In fact, Jesus knew full well that anxiety would actually uh, reduce the number of hours of our life. And then he asks, why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow and neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Now, what's Jesus talking about? Are you covered? Because God's got you covered. God's got you covered. He's got you covered by the very hollow of his hand. He's got you covered by the very uh, sacrifice of Christ upon the cross. You are covered. You are in Christ. You are 
you have a dwelling, not just in heaven forever, but right now in the heart of the Father. Therefore, don't, don't be anxious for anything. Don't be anxious for anything. God knows you need all of it. Verse 33. Again, I'm in Matthew chapter 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough anxiety for itself. Sufficient for the day is the trouble therein. All right, so let's not borrow trouble from tomorrow. Let's, uh, let's be people who are um, n- not only concerned about what we will eat and what we will wear, but let us be concerned about the, the concerns of the Lord our God, the concerns of the kingdom, the kingdom concerns, its principles, its king. Let us seek first the kingdom of God this morning and his righteousness, trusting that everything else we need, God's going to handle. He's got it literally covered. Next up, I've got Pastor Daryl Crouch. He and I are going to continue our conversation about uh, things he has posted at Cross Tide. That's his blog, but we're also going to do some catching up on Easter weekend. Not only the glory of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but um, the realities of a storm-tossed life. We'll be right back. I'm talking with Pastor Daryl Crouch from the Green Hill Church. You can find him at crosstide.org. That's his blog site. Daryl, welcome back. Hey, thanks, Carmen. It's great to be with you this morning. He is risen. Thanks for your, thanks for your opening. Yeah, thanks oh, for your absolutely. opening, too. That was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. good start. So I, I, am, um, I am advocating that Easter is not a day. It's not even a season. It's a reality. So I am uh, I'm going to declare that he is risen. He is risen indeed, at least up through Pentecost. <laughs> love it. Love it. We should. Yeah, he is alive and well. And like you said this morning, he's on his throne. We don't have to pretend to be optimistic. We don't have to, you know, manufacture a smile um, or um, any kind of uh, attitude like that. We we really do have a lot to be thankful for. We have a lot to place our hope in. So uh, these are uh, difficult days, no doubt. We weep with those who are weeping, but we have so much to, to look forward to. So let's pause there for a moment because we are living um, in this tension. Like we live in the tension of the already and the not yet. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Um, he has trampled over death by death. Um, we are alive in the power of the Holy Spirit. We have a great commission. We know, um, we know where we're going to spend eternity. Our hope is set on heaven. And yet storms come. I mean, you and I have friends in Chattanooga who experience tornadoes um, on Easter Sunday. Uh, and so even in the midst of the resurrection reality, even in the, in the reality that the king reigns, um, we still live in the midst of a world that experiences the consequences of, of sin. Uh, talk with us about living in the tension. Yeah, I think that's huge. And, uh, you know, the, the backdrop of the New Testament, as we read uh, the letters of Paul, as we look at Peter's writings or, or any, of, any of the New Testament, it was written in a backdrop of what you've just described, of difficulty and of pain and of suffering. 
Yet the Holy Spirit fell fell with fire and with wind at Pentecost and um, empowered a people to take the gospel to the end of the world. And here we are, uh, 2,000, over 2,000 years later, still worshiping Jesus, turning our hearts to him. And through technology, by the grace of God, uh, the gospel is is going farther than it's ever gone before around the around the world, and so uh, I think uh, the the early believers they they lived with this tension as well in a very earthy way. Um, again, I know there's a lot of people suffering today, but in a Western culture, uh, we're we're unfamiliar with much of what uh, our New Testament heroes, our early church heroes, uh, had to endure. Uh, and yet the gospel went forward with power. So I think Paul's writings to the churches, most of these churches were struggling. Most of these churches were not rich. Most of them were not uh, on the cutting edge, you know, technologically or economically or politically. Um, They weren't power brokers, uh, you know, in their communities. Uh, They were uh, mainly uh, poor and struggling and trying to work through their, work out their salvation. Uh, And they did that. And uh, because their eyes were on Jesus, they didn't do it perfectly. I'm sure they were just like us in so in, in every way. Uh, but uh, they found that God was faithful in that, and they planted their lives um, wherever they were and uh, uh, lived out the gospel um, in in the midst of suffering. And I think uh, you you've you've said it right that. Uh, all suffering is a result of sin. It may not be my personal sin. It could be. I can suffer directly because of my sin. Uh, I can suffer directly because of your sin toward me. Uh, but all of us can suffer because of a of the sin nature or the fallenness of humanity. And so all of it points back uh, to uh, an enemy that is ultimately defeated. So uh, living in the tension means we live with a, a constant expectation that uh, Jesus uh, is enough, and that he has already defeated sin, death, and the grave, and there is a hope laid up for us uh, ahead. And so we don't live with kind of a cross your fingers, I hope this is going to work out kind of hope. We live with a real settled hope that uh, Jesus has already won the victory, and we have already received our inheritance of the saints in light. So that is that's wisdom and that's otherworldly wisdom. When we come back um, from a very brief break, I'm going to continue this conversation with Pastor Daryl Crouch. We're going to talk about the difficulties that um, often distort our thinking. He's about to uh, launch into a sermon series in the book of Proverbs, and so I'm confident that he's ready to till the soil of of wisdom and how it can be applied to daily life today. We're also going to touch on four shifts that every church needs to make today. That blog is posted at crosstide.org. We'll be right back. Christ is risen from the dead, trampling over death by death. Come awake, come awake, come and rise up from the grave. Christ is risen. Continuing my conversation with Pastor Daryl Crouch, you can find him at crosstide.org. Daryl, um, I, uh, I note that you are launching into a sermon series on the book of Proverbs. That's true. Yeah. Which means you've already been in them. So first of all, bit. let's let's talk about that process because that's a bit of a mystery to a lot of people. Pastors don't just good pastors don't just stand up on Sunday morning and flip open the Bible um and start talking. There's a process through which pastors engage the word of God in order that they can bring the word to God's people in an effective way. Will you talk a little bit about that process? 
Uh, sure, I appreciate that. Um, the um, it's a first of all, it's a privilege. It really is a privilege to be able to uh, give give myself to the study of God's word and preparing messages and lessons and and feeding God's people. So it's a privilege. I think the the process begins uh, weeks and months ahead as we kind of look at where our church is and so and where our community is and some of the things God's been doing in us as we uh, determine what text that will will uh, tackle for this particular season. And so whether it was the Gospel of Mark that we just finished as we uh, broke it down into a few series, uh, but uh, leading up to Easter this spring. And then um, as we we had already planned and thought that we would launch into to Proverbs before our, our days got so crazy, uh, but the, it just seemed to be very um, timely, obviously, for lots of reasons. People are looking for clarity. People are confused. People are discouraged. And so uh, the Proverbs is, is a wonderful storehouse of, of wisdom that points us to Jesus, really, and that's really important in all of this. Uh, but the process is really uh, just understanding the text, observing the text, uh, determining the backgrounds and who's writing it and why they're writing it and, and or looking at the grammar and, and uh, the languages and uh, the historical backgrounds and just observing the text and feeding on the text personally and then um, walking through uh, applying the text and um, then figuring out a way to communicate the text uh, in a way that's uh, winsome and accessible and and timeless and so on and so uh, it's a um, it it takes hours every week uh, of preparation and uh, some of its long-term planning you know out into the future but uh, week to week it requires um, uh, several hours, a couple of days work uh, to do what we really want to do and in, in delivering um, uh, sermons each week. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I think spending time reading, observing, letting the, the word of God feed our souls. We cannot give what we do not have. And so uh, trusting the Holy Spirit to minister to us as we prepare, understanding the text, and then um, seeing its uh, timeless applications for us. Uh, is really obviously important to everyone. I, I do think, Carmen, and there's, uh, as we go into Proverbs and as people read the scripture, sometimes we're always looking to get something out of it, you know, like we want something for us. And sometimes the best thing that the Bible gives us is a is a clear look of Jesus. I mean, like what he has already done. I think many of us, and maybe in, in what, some ways the way you started the broadcast, but um, uh, sometimes we just need to look at what Jesus has already done for us and who we are in him already and that our identity is already secure. Uh, sometimes we're looking to the Bible as a tips guide, you know, a, a quick tips for, for, for successful living. It's not exactly that. It's really giving us a good look at the one who has conquered sin, death, and the grave for us. I appreciate that, Daryl. I have a, a, a friend who she's been a Christian. I mean, she's raised in a Christian home. She's certainly raising her family, um, you know, in the context of the Christian community and in the church and in Christ. And and yet, as you know, as a mom, she had this kind of awakening last year to exactly what you just described. She said, "I just realized that you know I was going to the Bible to get something for me, and I finally you know came to the place where I recognized that my being in the Word of God every day, um, just with Him." is yeah. about honoring who God is and what he has done. And, and yes, yeah, some days there are, um, there are things that awaken me and I'm like, oh, and that I receive it as a gift. But most days I'm just there to glorify Jesus. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And so that's a, um, that was a real, 
uh, switch that got flipped for her. And I think that it has produced a great joy in her life because she doesn't live with this expectation that I'm going to go to the Bible every day and I'm going to get something because, you know, not every day is, is, is like that. It just isn't, it's not designed to function that way. Um, and so a whole lot more joy in going there and giving God the honor and glory um, do his do his name and uh, and simply thanking him for all that he has already done and accomplished. All right, I want to get to the um, I want to get to the Crosstide blog. So again, uh, friends, you're going to find this at Crosstide.org. Four church shifts for today. I think these are really important. So Daryl, let's do these. Sure. Uh, so to begin with, uh, thinking long term, I, I think a lot of us in terms of church life, and maybe uh, your folks are listening and and they're involved in a church and local church, hopefully and and uh, so there was a quick response, man. We 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 had to pivot on how we were doing our, our worship services and what ministry might look like and how serious this was and so on. But I really think, uh, obviously, thinking long term is really important. That that there may be some uh, some long term changes that result because of this, and we hope so. And I'm not a futurist. I'm not creative enough. And and um, there, there's some folks out there that are really giving some a lot of thought to what the future church looks like. But I do know that there's changes coming. And so I just I was I'm just trying to lay the groundwork to say, you know, if we resist change, a lot of us resist change or we think we do. And uh, we, we all love good change, uh, like, a, a, you know, a vacation to the beach or a, a clean shirt. We, we all like certain kinds of changes. But um, uh, sometimes we're change averse because of fear or insecurity. Well, this situation has really called us out and uh, forced our hand in some ways to say, you know, there, there's probably some changes long term that we need to look at. And we just need to prepare our hearts for that. And I think they're, I really do think in many ways, they're kingdom shifts, Carmen. Many of the things that we're encouraging our people to do now are things that we've always encouraged them to do. But um, program programs and events um, seem to be a, a metric that we use to determine how, how well we're doing. And so we put a lot of time and effort into those things and, um, in essence, depersonalize ministry in some ways and, and depend on programming. I, I talked to a church planner yesterday on the phone, and he's trying to launch a new church here in the next several months, and we're partnering with him. And um, he was just remarking how, how this is just grassroots ministry, just calling people and actually having a conversation with them on the phone and how just uh, this is driving us to personalize our work and not just run Excel spreadsheets and put together cool creative pieces and, and so on, but uh, just really uh, caring about people as individuals. And we've always said that, we and we've so many of us have, have worked hard to do that, but this is certainly magnifying or elevating uh, the level of need that exists in our congregations for that. So that's really um, shift number two. So shift number one, short-term response to long-term strategy. Number two, an attendance motivation to this critical care motivation. Um, mm -hmm. Let's talk about shift number three, a large ministry menu to narrow ministry priority. Yeah, and you've you've heard and we've all heard consumer, you know, Christianity and that, that term that um, – Churches work really hard, and, and I don't think we do it with a motive to create consumer Christians, but we work really hard to provide 
the spectrum of ministry options for families and for individuals uh, from cradle to grave, they say, and and uh, really cool, uh, fleshed out ministries for all age levels and all life situations and all segments of the community and so on. And and just a, it's like going to Starbucks. There's just a lot to choose from, you know, and there's a lot of nuances in that. Um, and so churches have been bent and felt pressure, really, in a lot of ways, if we're going to reach people, that we have to provide lots and lots of options that way. I think, <clears throat> I think going forward, we've, we've, we'll have to decide what's most important. And again, it's not new. It's, this isn't a, a new thing, but it, this is requiring us to think through that very, very uh, carefully. And that, that if we want our folks to grow into Christ-likeness and to grow in grace and to join the mission of God, what does that look like? really day to day. And so are people equipped and empowered and motivated to make disciples of Jesus wherever they're stuck at this point, And then uh, later on, wherever they live, work and play. And um, are we okay with that? Are we okay gathering for worship, uh, singing, observing the ordinances together, uh, sharing a Bible study together in a setting, and then being sent out uh, for the other six days of the week to live on mission, or are we asking our churches to provide all kinds of kids programming, all kinds of senior adult programming, all kinds of student programming? Again, some of that stuff is really good, obviously, for, for many reasons, but I think our capacities as churches will be limited, uh, perhaps going forward, and, and not in a bad way, but but narrowed to say what is, what is actually motivating and empowering our people to make disciples of Jesus where they live, work, and play. There and is some, some pressure. Those, yeah, yeah and maybe on some of those other things, we can collaborate instead of everybody, yeah. every local church thinking it has to compete in, you know, in programming. Maybe we can find more collaborative models going forward for some of those, uh, for some of those programming needs at different ages and stages of life. Um, Daryl, you and I got to leave it right there. I love yeah. talking with you, my brother. Um, prayers lifting up for our mutual friends down there in Chattanooga. Absolutely. Uh, and, and continuing prayers for Everyone's Wilson. You guys can check out everyoneswilson.org if you want an update on Wilson County's a storm recovery. You can also check out crosstide.org. We'll be right back. Hey, thanks. All right, I have a... Uh, Brazilian pastor, missionary who is um, serving in Rome, Italy. He promises to speak English when he joins us this morning. All right. So I already know you're thinking to yourself, what in the world is an evangelical missionary um, who's Brazilian doing in Italy? And then what's the Italian church up to today? What, what does it look like for our brothers and sisters in Christ to be serving on the ground in one of the places in the world hardest hit by the coronavirus. That conversation up next here on Mornings with Carmen. I don't know about you, but with a smartphone and a laptop, I'm virtually online all day long. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Just as adults like instant access to the Internet, our kids have grown to demand it too. But as parents, how do we let our kids use this great resource without abusing it? How do we effectively balance a teen's privacy while protecting them from the dangerous world online? Let your son or daughter know that you respect them enough to occasionally dig into their personal online activity in order to protect them from danger. Don't allow them to have free reign on the World Wide Web. Teach your kids that respect and safety go hand in hand. 
Want more parenting help from Mark Gregston? Find helpful resources at parentingtodaysteens.org or search for Parenting Today's Teens in your favorite app store. Joining me now, Pastor Rene Bruel. He's a Brazilian missionary. He's the founding pastor of the uh, Oprah Church in Rome. He's the author of Paradox of Happiness. Rene, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning. Great to be with you. Well, it's wonderful uh, to have you with us. Um, as I pulled up uh, the church website, which if folks are interested, we would read it in English as Hopera or Hopera. Yes. .co um but it is not in a language that i understand so if i am looking oh. at if i am looking at the website i am looking at italian yes that's right it's italian uh, uh we do our services in italian here in rome and so um how about an easter greeting in italian to those listeners oh the way we would say it a happy easter would be um buona pasqua buona pasqua yes that's right Close at all? I'm I'm linguistically uh, challenged, so thank you for not um, for not just openly no, correcting with pleasure, me. Ha- with great pleasure. So okay, so um, but you you would describe yourself as Brazilian, yes? Yes, I was born and raised in São Paulo, Brazil, and uh, my wife and I moved here to Rome ten years ago uh, to plant the church uh, we're leading now. Okay, so I want to just pause for a moment and and encourage those who are listening. The gospel continues to go forth. Missionaries continue to go forth. Church planters continue to go forth from all the world to all the world. Um, and from Brazil to Italy, there are going to be people who are asking in their mind right now, um, doesn't, uh, isn't Italy already uh, Christian? Doesn't Italy already have Christ? Talk with us about church planting in Italy. Yes, a great question, Carmen. Um, yes, I think we do have this uh, a traditional Im- image, right, of missionaries going to other places, maybe um, third world countries. But uh, we see the spiritual need everywhere. And Italy, we saw a similar um, spiritual background to Brazil, in which most people would say, uh, maybe in a survey, that they are Christian. But um, the way they practice it and how they believe and how they understand the gospel is very different. So our um, uh, uh, idea was to come here and help people uh, get a, a solid grasp of the gospel, what it means, who is Jesus, and uh, let them make this choice. All right. So um, if folks want an introduction to Renee, you can go to Renee Bruel, it is spelled R-E-N-E-B-R-E-U-E-L dot O-R-G, and then you can click on English or Italian, depending on which you uh, which you speak. Um, I, I appreciate, um, Renee, that you... Um, you are a deep thinking person. You're obviously also just you you have this passion for the gospel uh, to reach people. So what what is yes. it about Easter? Let's just pause here for a moment. What is it about uh-huh. Easter that excites you? Yes, I think it's I was just thinking about Easter in this past week, Carmen, because um it's been very different to celebrate it this year, right? Uh, I think we tend to um, in a good way, rush to the resurrection, to Sunday, to the good news. But I think this this year was a special opportunity to also remember and celebrate Good Friday, um, a God who knows suffering, uh, the cross of Christ, a God who doesn't deny uh, the suffering of the world, but tries to redeem it, right? Offering 
offering us um, salvation in Christ. And then also Saturday, uh, they wait to bury the disciples, bury Jesus, uh, to grieve. So I think um, Easter this year has been a very good opportunity to, um, to process uh, our current moment um, and not to rush to the good news. We are in a, this long, almost like, like a long Saturday, it feels, right? We're, we're, not, at home, we're not at work. Monday to Friday, nor are we on, on meeting at church on Sundays, but we're kind of in uh, this intermediate space on, uh, seems like Saturdays, every day is Saturday at home. Uh, but then also then remember that Jesus um, meets us in lockdown, like he did with the first disciples who were close in their home, uh, afraid because of the authorities, and that Jesus met them nonetheless and said, peace be with you. And that's my hope for everybody in this week as well. It thrills my heart um, to know that, you know, that God not only has called you and sent you, uh, but that through you, God is planting a community of believers uh, right there in, uh, in, in Rome. Um, that mm-hmm. thrills my heart. It also, it also thrills my heart to know that the church is activated on the front lines of, you know, of mercy and service in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic. Talk with us a little bit yes. about um, how the church is finding you know, it's not not even having to look hard, but finding opportunities uh-huh. to serve in the midst. Yes, it's been a a, um, a big surprise, I think, to everybody. Right, a surreal situation in here in Italy um, to see um, this death toll rising, like some trucks carrying uh, corpses because cemeteries were or too full in some parts of the country and lacks lacks of, lacks of funerals. So our church, we try to do a transition uh, to this uh, online way of uh, continuing on to serve people and reach people. So we do online services and virtual groups. We started doing a prayer room uh, uh, on Friday so people can pray for our country. Uh, some people organize some happy hours just to have some lighter moments in which they have drinks and uh, maybe snacks and spend some time together. And uh, for us in this season, it's been a big opportunity to uh, to pray for the nation. We've done a lot of praying, both as a church and within other, with other churches. So uniting, I think, fostering this spirit of uh, unity. We are on, all in the same boat, right? In this crisis, um, we we like in like Israel in exile, which um, in, in the Promised Land they tend to think of themselves as one as a group of tribes, but in is in exile as one nation. So it's been a great time to just. Um, uh, join hands with other Christians. Uh, and then practically, um, some of the ways we were uh, start trying to serve the city, we had to discontinue our, our service projects, or um, we had a center for refugees in which we welcomed people, gave them tea, and uh, tried to uh, 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 welcome them uh, with, uh, with love. Then we had to discontinue that, but they tried to do that virtually. But we also uh, established a common fund to help families in need. We, we're already seeing pe- some people losing their jobs, or not uh, uh, people who are um, entrepreneurs not having their usual income. So we also uh, started this common fund to both help families in need and to donate to hospitals and medical efforts. So Renee, you have a a much more global perspective than than almost any of us uh, who are in this conversation right now on air. Um, When we come back, will will you help us see the ways in which you see Christ moving with power, um, maybe back home in Brazil, certainly there mm-hmm. in Italy. And, and because, because you are uh, an American serving in Europe, I'm also wondering if you can give us a little perspective on 
on sort of what what it is like to be in the EU right now. Um, so I know that's a lot to cover, but I'll, uh, I'll sure. give you a minute to collect those thoughts. We're going to take a brief break, and then we're going to return to our conversation with Rene Bruel. He's a pastor in Rome. He's a church planter. He's a missionary from Brazil. Um, and he's he's not only very articulate, he has lots of thoughts that are being communicated at, at websites like evangelicalfocus.com, christianitytoday.com, lots of opportunities for uh, for you to read what Renee is now writing. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with Pastor Renee Brule. He is the church planter, the pastor of uh, Oprah Church in Rome. Um, Renee, yes. again, thank you for joining us this morning on Mornings with Carmen. Thank you. So give us a little bit of, of your perspective on things, maybe uh, your perspective on things happening um, back home in Brazil, and then certainly mm-hmm. your perspective on um, on what's happening not only in Italy, but across the EU. Yes, yes. With pleasure, Carmen. Um, in Brazil, um, growing up there, I was, saw um, how the society uh, changed uh, in a number of ways in, the, in a few decades, how um, especially um, uh, um, gospel-believing Christians in the beginning were uh, seen as, um, as, um, as a, maybe a weird little group. It wasn't understood, but how they really ch- uh, grew, have grown and how churches have reached uh, my home church and maybe several others, uh, a number of people, from my parents to I uh, growing up, to the point that I made me want to um, help that uh, happen in other places as well. So I moved to Rome, Italy, 10 years ago. And here in Italy has been, uh, in, in Europe, has been uh, just exciting to see uh, gathered work. Is of course, a very different, different context, uh, different, um, different the way people, it's different the way people think and their uh, expectations. But to see people um, uh, welcome uh, Christ as, as their, their Savior uh, uh, in their personal lives has been very encouraging, very ha- wonderful to see both people from all over the world here in Rome, but mostly Italians to do that as well. So as I think my perspective is one of um, great uh, confidence to see um, the faith um, growing and blessing and helping people all over the world and maybe visiting other, other places like Korea or, uh, or places in Africa uh, or here in Europe, we can see that uh, Christ is at work even in these, in these places. Certainly, Christ is at work in all of these places, and he is, uh, he is being shared. The good news of the gospel is being shared by brothers and sisters like you and your wife. Um, it, it thrills our heart. I, I don't know if it sounds unusual for you to hear that, uh, but for those of us who, you know, whom God has called to serve uh, in, you know, in, in the nation of our own birth, right? So, I mean, I was born in the I United see. States of America, and I have a sense of calling to continue to serve here. But my huh? heart is thrilled that God has brothers and sisters like you and your wife and your team um, deployed around the world, and that there is there continues to be this this mission zeal to plant churches. Um, and I I want to celebrate that. And I know that because it is what you are doing every day, it probably feels like labor. Um, but it is this uh, it's this joyous reminder, joy filled reminder. Um, that not only did Paul desire to go to Rome, right, initially, and, mm-hmm. and share the yes. good news of the gospel, but that that need still exists. In every generation, the need exists for the gospel to be shared and for churches to be planted. Yes, I very much appreciate your encouragement, Carmen. I think it's uh, 
we're uh, all together uh, spread throughout the world, but uh, doing different ministries. But still, I think it also encourages my heart to see what is happening in other places. So thank you for your word. Certainly. Okay, so I um, appreciated um, this this brief post that you have on evangelicalfocus.com, mm-hmm. um, how the prophet Jeremiah has really, um, you know, gives us a window into ways that we might think about life in lockdown, flourishing while in lockdown is the name of the article. Talk with us about um, about the three observations that you make there about the prophet Jeremiah. Yes, uh, it came to my mind. It's a text that I love, but it came especially to my mind as I reflected on our current context, all this big pandemic provoked provoked by the coronavirus. And um, it was what came to mind because in that context, when um, Israel was taken into exile, um, some prophets, some false prophets said it would be a very quick thing that God would save the people quickly. Um, but uh, what God said through Jeremiah was, no, this is a v- very much a long-term thing. It would last 70 years in their case. So what um, Jeremiah says, like, think long-term. Uh, it's not a, a brief exile, but a long um, a long uh, uh, period. So think about what kind of home do you want to build? What garden do you want to plant? Which kind of person do you want to be when the, uh, this crisis is over, right? He says, um, uh, build, hill, build, build houses and plant gardens. So I, th- I think it's a very much a time to build also for us. Uh, think about our own homes, uh, uh, our own lives, and how, we can, how do we want to um, leave this crisis? Um, and then a second observation was uh, how he's, um, he focuses on, um, on marrying and having sons and daughters and multiplying and not increasing. Um, so it's also a season to love. I recognize it's a difficult, difficult season for everyone. We have a health crisis and then an economic crisis and then now a psychological crisis in which it's very hard, for, for example, for people who are single, who may feel very lonely. Uh, we are surrounded by negative news. We may have dark thoughts coming to mind, but also for couples because we, this constant companionship may cause uh, stresses and frictions, right? Even in the best of families, I surely... Uh, um, uh, uh, does that. And also for kids who are, don't have the support of school, don't, don't see their friends or physical activity. So I think it's a very much a time to um, keeping in touch with each other, uh, giving, giving each other both space, but also understanding and love, uh, being in contact with people who maybe don't have anybody um, uh, close by, and also helping our families and our kids establish new routines, having some quality time, and um, uh, using this phase very well. See it as an, an opportunity and not an interruption. And then the third, third thing I thought that was interesting in that passage uh, it was his emphasis on praying for Babylon, for praying for the context uh, in which they, they, they found themselves. So I think at least for our case here in Italy, in which the, the crisis arrived a couple weeks before compared to the U.S., it's been a big uh, moment to pray, pray individually, pray with other churches, pray together, um, and also read again this, a, a number of psalms, uh, these psalms of lament, which maybe in other uh, in, in times of prosperity and peace, they felt a little bit kind of sad and too down, but now they feel very relevant uh, with David or other psalmists just protesting and <clears throat> bringing their suffering uh, uh, before God, showing that the goal is not to suffer, it's impossible to eliminate suffering from life, but to suffer well with God and with each other. So trying to uh, uh, use this time both as a season to build, then to love and to pray as well. To build and to love and to pray. We have uh, we have focused on the Psalms of Lament several times in the last few weeks. So thank you for lifting those up again today, Renee. Uh, and thank you for being with us on Mornings with Carmen. 
Thank you. My pleasure. What a joy. You all can uh, find Rene on Twitter. You can also find him online. Rene Brule, you can also find him at the uh, Oprah Church, which is spelled as if it were H with opera or opera. If you were an English speaker trying to look at that word in uh, all of these, you can translate into English. Um, so let's uh, let's continue to encourage Renee, our brother in Christ serving in Rome. Thank you so much uh, for joining us today. We'll be right back. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by uh, by this hour we have spent together. Let me encourage you to return to Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Spend a little time there today um, and consider the things that maybe you are pursuing or maybe that you have elevated to uh, a place in, in life where, you know, we're not supposed to be counting on those things. We're supposed to be counting on God. We're supposed to be... Um, turning to him, recognizing that our life is more than food, our body more than clothing, that we are of more value to God than the birds of the air, um, and that anxiousness, anxiousness or anxiety cannot add even a single moment to the span of our lives. In fact, um, quite the opposite. And so let us be people who go before the Lord this day, confident in him, um, counting on him, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and absolutely trusting that everything that we need, according to God's goodwill, everything we need will be added unto us. Verse 34 says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow has enough anxiety for itself. Sufficient for the day is the trouble therein. Whatever kind of trouble you are in today, let me tell you this, God's grace is sufficient unto it. We have another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. We got Bill English. He and I are going to talk about the difference between leadership and management or control freaks. I think that maybe that's my 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 lead in for the next hour. Bill English and I are going to talk about control freaks. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at myfaithradio.com.